LinkedIn presents. Work-life balance is tough, especially in the entertainment industry where a lot of these decisions come from LA. So they're three hours behind however many West Coast time. So I'll get an important email at eight o'clock from somebody in the morning working in Atlanta, and then another important email at 8 p.m. from somebody working in LA because they're just now shutting down. If this wasn't a job that I was absolutely in love with, that I think is the most interesting thing in my life day to day. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I think about this. I don't, it's not something where I have to drag myself to work. You know, I, I get a lot out of thinking like everybody else is at dinner right now, but I'm getting these little extra things in. And I don't know if that's sustainable. You know, I am i don't have any kids in my life yet. So I'm sure as I go through different modes of my life, that'll definitely have to change. Uh, but with where I am now, like I feel like I'm still earning my keep by being able to do that because I know I won't always be able to do it. Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we talk to founders and freelancers about their journey creating and scaling up their business. My name is Chris Colbert, and I'm the founder and CEO of the media company DCP Entertainment, as well as the video and podcast recording space, Podstream Studios Times Square. This season, we are part of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy, so make sure to check out our show notes for information about our weekly newsletter and live events. In this conversation, I'm talking to Jacob Lawson. Jacob is the owner of Privileged Town Agency, which helps manage opportunities for actors and models in the Southeast region. As we'll hear shortly... Jacob's path to entrepreneurship is extremely unique. His story really underscores the power of saying yes to opportunities and what can happen when you go out of your way to help others. I don't want to spoil too much, but during our conversation, we talked about the challenge of making all your clients feel like they are your top priority, finding work-life balance, and how he only focuses on what he can control. But we start with how he somehow stumbled into the talent agency business. I graduated from college. I went to the University of Georgia, uh, graduated 2011 uh, with a degree in biology, uh, sort of had plans to do something uh, either in medicine or um, in a lab somewhere. And after four years of undergrad, I thought to myself, I'll take a year off, just get a job, save some money and uh, start taking the prep tests and stuff like that. About eight months into working, wasn't saving any money. and uh, yeah, I took a job at a Costco uh, here in Atlanta and was just unloading trucks in the morning and selling computers for a few hours after we opened. And uh, one day in 2013, um, a lady came in. She had just moved from LA um, and she said she needed to buy a computer because she just started a business. And I didn't really ask too many questions about it, but I was like, okay, cool. Helped her out for a while, answered her questions. And then on her way out the door, uh, she asked me if I would give her computer lessons when I got off work that day. So it was a pretty odd request to me, but uh, I was at a time in my life and a position in my life where I'd gotten to a point where um, I felt like I had a ton of skills. I've always seen myself as like a capable person. Uh, and I was just at a place in my life at that time where I wasn't feeling like I was maximizing my utility, which for me uh, comes at a, a, a mental um that weighs on my mental a lot. If I feel like I'm not doing enough, uh, I'm not making myself useful enough to other people. Uh, So it was sort of a right place, right time thing where she needed some help. I was uh, mentally in a place where I was like, all right, 
I'm just going to start saying yes to anybody who needs my help and see what happens. So uh, I uh, worked with her for about two years, um, started out again. She had started the agency, I think, like two days before that she had filed the paperwork and that kind of stuff. So for about three months, we met at a McDonald's because uh, she didn't have <laughs> Wi-Fi uh, in her place. So she would go get a large sweet tea because the Wi-Fi could come from the receipt. You have to That's buy so Southern. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can't just go in there and use their Wi-Fi. You have to buy something. So um, their Wi-Fi password changes every day. So she would uh, buy a sweet tea. We'd go sit in a booth somewhere and we would grind it out. I would set up like the online profiles, go over like uh, how to store information, how to... So much of the industry is done online now. Um, she was of a time and a place where everything was in person. Uh, it was it was very much who you know and uh, being good in the room. Where at this point in 2013, the industry had started to um, transition to. There's a couple of websites that actors use to where agents will promote the actors. Um, but 90% of my job is done on a computer, and she just wasn't at a place at that time where she was. She needed my help, so. Uh, for yeah, for two years, I worked with her, sort of just doing anything I could, anything she needed help with. If there was something that she needed help with on a Tuesday, and you know, normally she would do this, but today she can't. I would just do it in a way where there's no reason for her to ever need to do it again. Just do it as best as I could. Um, and over those two years, I just sort of got more and more responsibility with the agency. Um, and after about two and a half years, she decided she wanted to go back to LA. Um, and be with her family because her husband was still living out there. And uh, we talked about doing like a, a partnership. But for me, um, it seemed like I was, she wasn't ever going to take on any more responsibility moving back across sure. the country. And, yep. you know, uh, my my responsibilities with the agency just grew and grew and grew. Uh, I also didn't want to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave and start my own. I mean, that would have taken a little bit of time. Um but I felt like she'd done something really great for me. Like I was, I was in a place where I needed something to put all of my energy and attention into. And she sort of just out of nowhere came in and gave something like that to me. So I felt like I owed her something and it's important to me to do the right thing uh, within reason. Uh, so we worked out a buyout program where I paid her out over a course of five years um, to become the full owner. Um, and so that finished in 2019 i took i took that agreement started in 2016 so maybe 2021 actually was when i finally uh relieved myself of of paying off for the company but yeah it's uh stranger than fiction honestly it's uh I w it was the right place right time but if she had come in that room a month earlier and i wasn't in a place i hadn't made the decision where like i'm just gonna say yes and i'm gonna help people any way i know how um, I might have been like, you know, I've got plans today. I can't. I'm sorry. And then she would have been a, went about her day. So uh, it was a perfect storm of me feeling like I desperately needed something to plug into and then she needing somebody in my position. So, yeah, that's crazy to like to essentially be like this unofficial geek squad at Costco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and now running a business. Yeah. And uh, I was working mornings at that time. And I'll never forget, like she bought me a computer, too. I had no money. I don't you know, I didn't have anybody like paying my bills or anything like that. So she got me a computer so I could help her and I would take my computer to Costco and during my breaks I would go upstairs and I would invoice people. I would like look into the new projects that were coming out uh, and then ultimately I moved my schedule up at Costco to where I was, I think I was in there at like 4 a.m. unloading trucks. Wow. Just so I can be out of there at 10 so I can, for the rest of my day, I could go and do agency work. And yeah, I mean, I, I love the job. I love the industry. Things are constantly changing. 
uh, but it's a 100% commission job. And when you're starting out on something like that, it's there's almost no money in it. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to work my day job starting at 4 a.m. and then being sort of free uh, from almost the entire normal working day from like 1030 on. Um, and I was happy to do it. I was so energized. I never really cared about the money early on. Um, just because I, again, I was so desperate for something just like this. And then once I had it, I still feel that today. Like I still feel like somebody could come take this from me. Um, <laughs> if I don't do my job yeah. well and work hard. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, especially taking over someone else's business and clearly she had a vision for what she was creating and, and wanted it, you know, wanted this to be in the long run as you took over the company. Was there, I guess, the thought process on your side of, okay, how do I continue to you know, run this in the way that she wants it? Or did you have your own vision that you now wanted to implement as you took things over? Yeah, well, when she started out, or I guess when we started out, because again, I don't think they'd done much agency work before I came on board. It was just like getting approved for everything. Atlanta was a very small market stock. We were doing Vampire Diaries and The Walking Dead. So everybody knows about that. Um, but, you know, the casting directors that do... Ozark, Stranger Things, all the Marvel stuff. They were doing Georgia Lottery commercials back in 2013 and 14. So the mindset of what Atlanta was, you do, nobody was really thinking that it was going to become the number one place in the world to make a movie or the number three place in the world to make a TV show. So we were kind of just, in my mind at least, I was like, I'm going to attach myself to this and whatever it turns in, whatever it turns into, I'm open to. Um, but her idea was like very boutique. She had, I think like... 15 to 20 clients for probably the first year. And these are just people she knew uh, personally. Um, her daughter was an actor down here. So she came down here to be with her daughter and her daughter already had sort of a network of people. So um, that's where it started. And I think her mindset was just to keep it small. I still want my company to be relatively small. I represent about 200 people now. Uh, wow. Yeah, but uh, by agency standards, that's not a ton of people. Uh, but for me, it's it hasn't changed in the fact that I, it's still important to me to feel like I know who my actors are as artists and individuals. Uh, so when a casting director comes to me looking to fill a role in a movie or a commercial or whatever, uh, I'm not just sending them a, an army of people who fit the technical specifications. I want to be like, you need to see this person because they're great at stand up or they're an improv expert or, you know, they've worked with this producer before. Uh, so I'll always want to be as small as, uh, reasonably can be expected and still treat and think of my actors in that way as individuals rather than just, you know, somebody on a list of a thousand names. Well, and help us understand too a little bit more of like what a talent agent does for for their clients. Sure. So uh, basically, if a producer wants to make a movie, most of the time that producer lives in LA or New York, the, the traditional heavyweight markets. But if they're going to shoot in Atlanta, what they do is there are casting agencies down here who know the market down here. So they'll say, okay, the money's coming from LA, but we're going to shoot in Atlanta. We're going to hire a local casting director who knows all the agents. Um, I think when I was like the third, it was either the 11th or the 13th SAG franchised agent in Atlanta. And there's like 40 or 50 of them now. So it's a lot bigger, but um, they hire a casting a location casting director because they know sort of the lay of the land. Um, so when those casting directors get work, they release that information through uh a distribution service that I have access to. So I'll log in and uh, let's say they're making a movie and they have 12 roles they need to fill. I'll reach out to these casting directors and be, I'll say, you know, here's 10 people you should see for this role. 
And then they'll email me back and they'll say, okay, of those 10 people, we want to see these three. And so I'll get whatever they need uh, to audition. I'll get the script. I'll get the instructions, whatever. Um, and then I will coordinate their audition process, whether it's on tape or in person. They'll send me their tapes. I'll show them to the casting director. Uh, if the casting director wants to hire them, I negotiate their contracts. So it's uh, most of my job is getting people opportunities. And then of those 100 opportunities, I got them maybe negotiating two or three of the contracts that ultimately pan out. Um, it's a big time numbers game. Um, there's a lot of rejection in this industry uh, from the side of the actors. Um, but it's, yeah, I get them auditions. I promote them. I, I make sure casting directors are familiar with the actors that I represent. And then when the when a producer ultimately wants to hire them, I, I try to get them the best deal possible. And how do you, you know, how do you manage the expectations for your clients a lot of times too? Because like you just said, there's a lot of no's that happen. So like managing those expectations, but also even for yourself personally, like maybe there's a personal attachment to these no's for you too, because you're trying to do the best for your clients. 10 years into it, the personal attachments to the no's for me are, it's almost gone. Because it's like, if you get a no today, uh, a yes could be waiting tomorrow. And it's, we're lucky to be in Atlanta where by volume, there's more stuff going on here than anywhere in the world. So that helps a lot. Um, but I try to tell actors, you know, it is the number, nobody books 10% of the stuff they audition for. Um, I mean, you can read some of the A-list people all over the world. They'll go in and test to be like the lead, the lead villain on a new Mission Impossible. And it's like, that didn't work out for him. It's a household name. So it's like everybody experiences that rejection. The biggest piece of advice I try to give actors is to have other things in your life that bring you joy, that keep you busy, that you're interested in, uh, because really good actors go months, sometimes longer without getting a yes. So you don't want to depend too too heavily on the 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 approval of other people because it's you'll never be able to count on that all the time. But that's easier said than done. I I don't personally feel rejected when a casting director says no to me. I could call a casting director and say this person's great for this. And they'll just say no, or like that. They're not right. That's not what we're thinking. Part of me is like, Oh, I, I misread that situation. I hope they don't think less of me because I misread the situation. But again, I'm going to be talking to them about another project tomorrow. So it's sort of just like duck water off a duck's back 10 years into it. But I know okay. actors act It's more personal for actors for sure. Well, of course. Yeah. And, but and especially because it's so personal for actors too, and they're thinking about their career trajectory and maybe like the passion projects they want to do. Are there some times where you have to push back on them to say, don't take this project or yes, you definitely need to take this project because now this producer might be able to give you another opportunity down the line. Like, how do you manage that where you could sometimes see a different vision for them than the client do for themselves? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a big part of it. That that goes into expectations because everybody, it's not uncommon for an actor to have like a good couple of months where they book like two TV shows in a movie and then they're, you know, I only want to start reading for this category of role, which is like you, you would still be very lucky to get something like that. It's not impossible. But, you know, every time you book a job and you go to set, that's a director you will have always worked with. That's a producer who will have always hired you. Uh, that's a line producer who will see an actor come to set and be positive and not hold everybody up. So assuming you do a good job on set, it's another node in your network every time you go and work a job, whether it's a full scale studio movie or if it's a small independent feature you never know where these other creatives are going to end up five and ten years from now so yeah that's a big part of it i personally spend more of my time convincing people that they should do something rather than they shouldn't um just because you know if a project that's not going to pay you a ton of money is shooting in two weeks 
if there's something else you're going to be doing that would be more beneficial to your career in two weeks, we would probably know that you're in the mix for that thing right now. So either you're going to be sitting on your hands doing not much of anything in two weeks, or you're going to be doing this. So let's go ahead and at least get to set and then see what, what comes of it. So uh, different people have different ideas about that, uh, both actors and agents, but I do spend a decent amount of time trying to get people to see the whole picture um, because work begets work. It's If a director's worked with you in the past, they're going to, and they, they like to stick with what they know works. So um, as long as you have a good presence on set, it's it's great to be constantly working and active. And I try to convince people of that as much as I can. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. And you were talking about how you have like 200 some odd clients and I'm, you know, uh, running DCP Entertainment, but also back at my, you know, Sirius XM radio days, I didn't have 200 people that I managed, but, you know, I had different personalities and you need to make each one of them feel special and make yeah. them feel like they're your number one priority. How do you manage that with so many different clients, making sure that everybody feels like you're giving them, you know, your full attention at all times? That's probably my biggest personal struggle, because like in my mind, when you deal with an individual, it's like they know they're an individual within a system. And it's not especially actors, people of all walks of life do this, but it is it is easy to fall into that mode of like, this is my experience, this is the experience that I'm having. And that should orient everybody else in how they go about their day. So sometimes I, I have to say, you know, you have to be reasonable with these expectations. A good example is, you know, if there's a TV show and my clients get an audition for it, if I have five actors requested for five different roles, one of the actors might be auditioning for the lead role and one of them might be for a guy who's in two scenes. It's not uncommon for that actor requested for the smaller role to email me and be like, hey, can I read for the big role? And sometimes I can facilitate that, but ultimately like the actor has to understand this isn't a vending machine. Like you, your other people's job is to choose who is right for the role. Your job is to show them that they were right for thinking that you were the person for the one that they wanted. Um, so sometimes I can go in and get them an audition for a bigger role, but I always try to say like, focus on what we know they want you for, uh, because the other role might be gone. They might already have an offer out. There's a ton of other things that go into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, having not a million people helps to make people feel like an individual. Uh, but it, it, that is a challenge for me to not on my worst days and in my worst moments, I struggle to treat people like they're the center of the universe because that seems like such a a perverse thing to want for yourself even though everybody does sort of expect that well and then you know that then makes me think too like how do you then manage your own you know needs and and your own time you know that work-life balance like how you then you know fit yourself into the equation as you're taking care of all your different clients yeah work-life balance is tough especially in the entertainment industry where a lot of these decisions come from la so they're three hours behind however many west coast time so I'll get an important email at eight o'clock from somebody in the morning working in Atlanta and then another important email at 8 p.m. from somebody working in L.A. because they're just now shutting down. If this wasn't a job that I was absolutely in love with, that I think is the most interesting thing in my life day to day. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I think about this. I don't it's not something where I have to drag myself to work uh, really at any point that I can remember. So uh, I do work a lot. I work long, long hours. And, uh, I'll go through, you know, I'll take a week and be like, I'm going to the beach, but I'll have my phone on me. Like when you're in this position, it's all of your little breaks and personal times have a caveat. Um, 
But for me, I'm I'm a competitive person by nature, so I don't like to think that anybody's working harder than me or doing more within reason than I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- my work is my work, but it's also one of my biggest hobbies. So I like to golf and play basketball and go to the gym and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I- I'm in a fortunate situation where uh, I want to work, even if it's not like a time that uh, everybody else is working because it feels like oh i'm you know I, I get a lot out of thinking like everybody else is at dinner right now but i'm getting these little extra things in and i don't know if that's sustainable you know i'm i don't have any kids in my life yet so i'm sure as i go through different modes of my life that'll definitely have to change uh, but with where i am now like i feel like i'm still earning my keep by being able to do that because i know i won't always be able to do it but yeah i mean it's tough. You get what you give. And I want to be the person giving the most because ultimately I want to be an influential person that has uh, people listen to me, people on the, in the industry listen to me when I have things to say. And I think that's sort of the price you have to pay to do that. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned too, like some of the things that I also do to kind of keep myself sane and keep myself healthy, which is, you know, playing sports and doing yeah. athletic things. Like for me, that's a great stress reliever and helps me to kind of escape from that that work atmosphere and just really focus on, yeah, whatever that thing is, whether it be kickball that we were talking about before we started recording here <laughs> or, uh, yeah, basketball. Definitely, I'm in the same vein there. Yeah, um, but I you mean, also, I, oh, I'm, I'm like sorry. A, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm like a dog. Like, I have to get in the gym. I have to exercise my physical energy so that my mind can, like, focus and think. And I do prioritize that. Like, I, if I want to go to the gym during any 24 hour span like this, I'm going to make that happen for myself. Uh, but you know, I don't have like a big urge to like play video games during the day or like, Oh, this is my hour that I'm going to give to me. I just, I love my job. So that's for now, that's until I change my mind. That's uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Cause you've mentioned a few times how like part of your personality is feeling like, you know, you need to be doing more. Like I, I want to make sure I'm taking care of my clients or, but you just have that competitive spirit. And so there does still need to be that time that you're not burning yourself out. Like you said, you're still kind of in this phase now where, you know, this is still very fun. It's very much a hobby. And, and this is just kind of your personality. But, you know, you don't want to reach that point where you fully burn out. So like even taking those vacations, do you still, you know, try to create some kind of boundaries for yourself um, just around like your own personal time or even just like, you know, when you're out with family or something, do you, do you have some kind of cutoffs for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's. If you, I mean, if, if a client calls me at 7 p.m., they're going to have to leave a voicemail and then like, I'll decide if that's something that can wait till tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, it's, we're in a spot right now with the industry where there, there may be a director's and a writer strike starting in May. Uh, both of those contracts expire on April 30th. So there are times where we go into strikes or during COVID where we had like eight uh-huh. months where there was nothing to do. I definitely maximize that time. Like if, if a strike starts on April 30th, I'll be at the beach on May 1st. Cause it's like, this is a time where God or whatever you want to call it has given me a time to reset and rebalance and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's late at night weekends, definitely Sunday. Like I'm more open to taking a call on Saturday than Sunday. It's gotta be a really urgent and something that can't wait till Monday for me to handle something on Sunday. But yeah. Do you find yourself having to handle like a lot of emergencies or putting out fires? Like you're saying, you know, sometimes people are reaching out to you on a Saturday or Sunday and it, it's urgent, but sometimes something is urgent for someone else. And for you, it's not necessarily urgent. Like, yeah. How do you, how do you work with that? That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, basically that's, I mean, you have to just have conversations with people. If it's urgent for the actor and urgent for me, and this is nothing we could have done to avoid this situation, I'll meet you at the table and be like, okay, I'll handle this however 
whatever needs to be done. Uh, but if it's something where it's like there's this audition was due on Friday, but you didn't get it in on time. So now it's Saturday and you want me to like stop what I'm doing to cover up for like your oversight or something like that. Sometimes in those situations, I'll be like, I'll get it to a Monday because I know like the executives who are making the decisions aren't going to make a decision until Tuesday or Wednesday. Like normally I have a pretty good idea of those timelines. So it's it's urgent to the actor, but it's not urgent to me. And I'll explain that to them. Uh, I'll explain that like I know the circumstances um, and I'll try to give them a better frame of mind. But yeah, I mean, I, every day there's stuff that's urgent to other people. But because I'm seeing everything in a meta sense where I'm dealing with 200 individuals, I have a better idea of like what's truly urgent and what isn't. And I try to communicate that in like a, an empathetic way because I know these people are, this is important to them. This is like the, for most actors, they have a day-to-day job that they're trying to get out of. And most of the things that I send them, if everything works out right, this is their ticket out of that or change their mm-hmm. lives. So I understand the frame of mind that they have around it. I don't want to belittle that or, you know, I feel that for them. So I just try to act you know, within reason and, you know, do the best I can with it. But yeah, an emergency to person A is not always an emergency to person B. Well, and I think the way that you approach it makes a lot of sense, even beyond just for yourself, but it also, I think, helps them too to maybe feel less stressed about it when you're letting them know, okay, I know you feel like it's an emergency, but, you know, like you were saying, this casting director, whoever it might be, isn't going to really make a decision until Tuesday. So we can slow down a second. And, you know, I think in the long run, that might even help them, you know, as they're just trying to evaluate what's happening. Yeah, but you also have to walk the tightrope of not making them feel like it's fine to turn stuff in late all the time because it's like, as a rule, you need to be executing all of this stuff perfectly if you want to be considered. Like, it's rare. We can sometimes get a casting director or producer to make an exception, but you need it is, it's really important to do your stuff on time and follow instructions. So I, you want to be like, you want to put them at rest to be like, this isn't the end of the world. I'm not going to cut you from the roster for, for this one instance. But don't make a habit out of doing this because it looks bad on you. It looks bad on me. Um, if enough people do it, it looks bad on Atlanta as a whole. So it's tough to keep people in the right frame of mind. But yeah. Well, I noticed um, it looked like you work with uh, one of your family members as well. We know with the talent agency. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about that setup? Yeah. So my brother uh, works for me. Um, people say don't work with family. And he started working for me about six years ago. And he and I shared a bedroom until he moved out to go to college. And, you know, so most of our confrontation stuff is worked out. Yeah, we can sort it out, you know, uh, either through communicating or, you know, it's all communicating now. Like it's we understand each other better than I know him better than any other person on Earth. And I think he probably feels the same about me. And we both have a similar mindset where we both grew up playing sports. We both desperately want this to work. We both had a ton of jobs that we hated to do. And this isn't a job that we hate to do. So we, we both sort of have a mindset of nobody's going to take this from us without us putting up a fight. And the only way somebody can take it from us is if somebody starts doing this job better and with a higher degree of excellence and effort than we do it. Um, so we, we just try to do our best to not let that be reasonably possible. Um, within the system that we have, my brother goes in and he submits people first round when a, so if when a casting director releases a project, my brother is the one sending the casting director the lists of people that we want to audition because we're sort of of a like mind. He knows everybody as well, some even better than I do. And then when the casting director comes back and says, this is who we want to audition, uh, I handle all that and then I negotiate the contract. But I found that it works really well to have somebody devoting 100% of their time 
to getting our people in front of the casting director. Like that's all, as soon as they drop something where my people's names are the first that that casting director is going to see that's worked really well for us. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's how many other agencies operate, uh, but it works for us. So, um, until it stops working, that's, that's the system we have in place. And, uh, I think everybody's happy with it. Well, it's great that you know you and your brother have such a great working relationship together. Actually, my my last episode, I reaired a, a conversation I had with my sister, who's also a business owner. Yeah. She was working with her husband. We also have a mother who used to to run a business, and she had her husband working there. And like all those situations went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to hear like you found a great balance and found a great working relationship with you and your brother. Um, yeah. You know, where you guys both have this similar passion, this similar mission for the company. And we, there's nothing I can say to him that I don't think that we won't resolve if he has a problem with something i say we just talk about it and we move on like we don't uh i certainly don't harbor any resentment towards him for anything that may have been you know perceived as him working in a negative light and i hope he feels the same about me uh we're very like if something bothers one of us we talk about it and then we move on uh but he's a year and 10 days older than me we We've done everything together for most of our lives uh, and up through high school. So, um, yeah, it it helps to have a very similar mindset to the people you're working with. Yeah, it's funny you have it down to the the year and ten days. I do the same thing with my yeah. sister. Like she's she's like eleven months and twenty days older than me. I won't yeah. even, I won't give her the full year. Oh yeah, so you guys, yeah, yeah. People used to people obviously used to think we were twins because we were always doing stuff together. Call us Irish twins. I think you're called Irish twins if you're within twelve months. So we barely missed that mark, but I think you're in there. <laughs> well, you had mentioned too, like you know, part of your vision for the company is expanding at some point, or, or maybe in the near future. And uh, I know right now you're focused on the southeast, particularly you know in the Atlanta area. But as you think about wanting to expand, I guess what are the factors that you mentally kind of go through? Like, hey, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. Like, how are you evaluating when and how to expand? Uh, well, I actually recently hired a new agent to sort of run his own roster because again. We ha- I have casting directors that will email me or call me and say, like, this is a great actor who's either new in town or maybe they're underrepresented where they currently are. Um, and I think they would be great on your roster. I was in a holding pattern for probably like two and a half years where I was close to two. I was about 170 people. And I was like, Jesus, this, if, if this gets any bigger, I could start to feel overwhelmed. Um, so we, we said no to so many people who would have otherwise been great. Uh, and then at so, at a certain point, I was like, all right, let's just bring on somebody new, which is tough to do. Like when you have such a tight system going with somebody in your family to bring on a stranger um, and sort of bring them into that intimate business relationship. Uh, but that, that's that been the first stage of our expansion. He's representing about, I think he's got like 35 people now. We're trying to get him up to about 50 um, where he's he's handling all of his own stuff and I'll still negotiate the contracts. So I mean, that's sort of my strategy when it comes to expanding laterally. So like our base of clientele is sort of how broad our influence is. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to elevate the people that we already have. So if I have 200 people and they're all working like day player contracts on a movie, my goal is to have at least 20 of those people being like supporting and lead roles in the future. Um, And we've had some success with that already. I mean, it's work begets work and these people have been working a lot over the last 10 years so we i have leads on netflix series i have leads on studio films now so that's what growth is to me growth is to me is taking these people that for most of them i've i've worked with them for several years if not more 
and elevate their career vertically rather than finding a hundred more people who could also do the same thing that these 200 are already doing. Um, and that's a network game. Again, that's, you know, anytime if, if I have, so a producer hires a location casting director, they're mostly doing the supporting roles and smaller. They'll still have mm-hmm. an LA casting director who will hire like the lead roles. So like with Ozark, like Jason Bateman is on that show. The location casting director didn't do that deal. That's like a LA casting office that's doing those deals. Over time, I've had a handful of people who've been lucky enough to get in front of those LA casting directors. Some of them have had great success. And when it comes time to negotiate and to get a deal done, I, I try to be as responsive as I can, you know, taking those calls at 8 p.m. local time because they're in L.A. Uh, and sort of branding myself as somebody who they can count on. Like, I'm not if if you're an L.A. producer or casting director and you want to hire one of my people f- for a big project that's going to change their lives, you're not going to feel I'm not going to feel like I'm across the country. I'm going to feel like I'm right up the road and you can call me whenever you need to. And uh, having that strategy uh, has helped so far. So uh, expanding my network into other markets. Uh, so far, I haven't had to put up a brick and mortar in LA or New York because the people that I represent have done a good enough job uh, to where those people have sort of come asking about the people that I represent. Um, and it's becoming a more, I mean, the more and more electronic electronically mediated it is it's like it really doesn't matter where you are at least for an agent for an actor you got to be wherever set is but um yeah i mean getting into those rooms having the the lead casting directors know who i am so that they know who my actors are uh is my mindset for growth do you ever get concerned of you know people poaching your talent you know other agencies taking away the you know the folks that you've helped to cultivate i think about that probably more than uh, anything else uh (laughs) But yeah, I mean, again, having a good relationship with my actors, making sure that they know that within reason, I will do anything that I can to work in the same way that those other agencies are. Uh, but a lot of this job is also like geographically exclusive. So I'm an exclusive, if I have a client who lives in LA, some of my clients live across the country, I'm their agent in the Southeast. So from like gotcha. Louisiana to Virginia down to Florida, I'm handling that. They could have an LA agent who works for them out in LA, um, so that helps to stem some of the uh, the fears of them taking total control, like eating my lunch. But some of those, <laughs> you know, I mean, UTA is opening an office in Atlanta, and there are people. I'm sure actors are looking around, like that's a big agency. They have a huge footprint in LA. Maybe uh, they'll want to, to go. I mean, that's something that I can't control. I mean, yeah. Uh-huh outside of like doing my best work and making sure my reach is as far reaching as it can be that, that, you know, what other people think for better or worse is out of my control. So I try not to worry about it too much. Um, but it's always looming there. I've, I've had a handful of people who I booked them a big job and then they leave because they think a better, uh, a bi-coastal agency is going to serve them better. And for whatever reason, and several of those people that I've run into, cause they live here in Atlanta, um, and passing, they're like, man, that was a big mistake. Like I'm not Boom. reading for stuff as much because those people, they have clients who make millions of dollars a year. And it's like, do they need the guy who's on eight episodes of class of 09? Maybe, but I love when I book somebody on something like that. It's like the highlight of my day or sometimes weeks. So, um, yeah, it's th- the people who have started to try to transition out. Most of them, uh, unless they're just being really nice to me, uh, said that it hasn't 
those promises weren't kept by the people who were trying to to poach them. So I hope hopefully that becomes widespread knowledge and um, helps offset some of that. But yeah, I mean, it's you can't control what other people do. You can only control what you do. Yeah, it's interesting that you put it like that because I, I very much almost every single day have like this mental mantra again, at least once a day, but sometimes multiple times a day of just literally saying to myself, I can only control what I can control and just, you know, releasing the rest to just whatever may happen. Like you can do the best job for your clients, for your team, but there are certain things that you're just not going to be able to, to, you know, be able to have a handle on or be able to make decisions for other folks. So there's no use in trying to overly concern yourself with the things that are completely out of your out of your hands. Yeah. And. You, I mean, you have to tell yourself every day because that's one of those things that you forget. I mean, it's the natural human tendency to want to control everything. It's, you know, you want to protect yourself from any kind of negative interactions. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, that's a good mantra. Um, and I think, you know, people who are unhappy in that situation or if they're really, uh, they struggle to let go of that control, I think a lot of times they know that they could be doing more and they're not. Darn. Um, so yeah. at the end of the day, if I know that I worked hard, I did everything I know how to do to the best of my ability, um, that for me helps that mantra ring true in my mind where it's like, okay, this is truly out of my control and I don't have that. Well, what if I had done this? What if I have done that? Um, that helps a lot to really have a high effort level. Nice. Well, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the great things that have been happening with you, but I want to you know, leave some space here for you to talk about some of these wins that have been happening for you, whether it be business or personal, like, yeah, what's some of the great things happening for you right now? Uh, I mean, for me, again, uh, the way I think about it, when my actor, if I have an actor who books a big job, they earn that for themselves. Like, I don't think a casting director has ever hired somebody, one of my actors, because they liked me. Sure. I think if I've done anything well, it's I've convinced really good actors to stick with me over time um but so when 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 an actor books a job that's a win for them any agent who wakes up in the morning and wants to do their job if that if this great actor was with them they would have gotten that opportunity too they may not have gotten as good of a deal or whatever um but i view that as an a, a win for the actor when when i think about wins like I have a lot of actors who wait tables because it's like you, you need a job that's flexible. You can cut out a day before if you have to go to set or something like that. So when an actor calls me and says, you know, I got to quit my job because I made SAG health insurance and um, I'm making enough money as an actor, that's a huge win for me because like freedom, being able to, you know, decide what you do with your time all day is important for creatives and to, to be a part of facilitating that freedom for them is really important for me. Um, there's a new show called Florida Man on Netflix. Okay. Uh, one of my clients is in like all eight episodes, but she sent me a picture. Uh, her and her dad were out in LA uh, for the premiere standing under a billboard for the show. So it was like, um, yeah, letting, giving people when somebody can like take their dad out to a premiere, who's like, who knows if they thought that their daughter would be able ever be able to do this. Sure. Um, that goes a long way for me too. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I just saved a uh, uh, Florida man uh, on my playlist nice. for, uh, for Netflix. So now I'm definitely going to look out for that one. Yeah. 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 I represent the lady who's like the news anchor, the blonde lady, Lauren, that's, that's my gal. So she was out there last week for the premiere and, uh, yeah, that I feel really good about that when like somebody's like I'm flying my mom out to see me and like my parents are so excited and or they go home for the holidays and like their high school classmates are like having watch parties for the show that they're on. Like That's I get cool. a lot out of that. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Well, again, congratulations on your success, but also your client success as you were as you were framing it. Obviously, yeah, they're the ones booking it, but you you clearly have a large hand in doing that. So, you know, just the being able to have 200 clients, I know you said that's not a lot <laughs> when it comes to, to agencies, but to me, that sounds like a lot. So, you know, it seems like you, you're you really on the right path and, and I think there's a lot more, you know, coming your guys' way. Um, so yeah, congrats on everything so far. Thanks, yeah, I appreciate it. It feels like a lot sometimes, but all in all, it's it's manageable. It's, it's a, again, it's a fun job. I l- I'm so lucky to have something that I wake up and I want to do. Like I grew yep. up thinking like, oh, is there any way I could play sports professionally? Like, absolutely not. I love the game, but it's just not in the cards for me. This is something where it's like, this is as fun. There's a competitive nature to it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super excited to start working when I wake up on a Monday morning. Like there's no Sunday scaries for me. So um, yeah, I mean, it's I'm super fortunate that I have the situation that I'm in. So I just try to keep it going. And how can people, you know, see your website, Privileged Talent Agency, um, also any kind of social media uh, for people to follow the company or follow you? Yeah, I mean, I have Instagram, Jake the Snake Lawson. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I was a big wrestling fan. I, I think my first Halloween, I was Jake the Snake Roberts. I had like a boa thing around my my neck or the <laughs> the, the snake. But yeah, I don't uh, I don't do a ton of like business stuff online just because. You run the risk of like if you sign somebody to a new show, there's NDAs around all of that. And I know yeah. that like industry people, it's good for actors to promote themselves. And I know, you know, some agencies do it, but for me, it's like the people who matter know who I am. And I it's there's risk coming that comes from like constantly celebrating all your wins when some of that stuff has to be kept secret. Um, but I mean, I have IMDB, Jacob Lawson, my website's privilegedtalentagency.com. But again, I mean, there's, there's information on how to contact me if you're an actor looking for representation and stuff like that. Uh, but it's just in my nature. I let other people do the talking. I don't do, you know, they say Lamborghini doesn't have any commercials. So that's sort of, my, <laughs> that's sort of my mindset around it. I don't have a huge online footprint. Thank you, Jacob Lawson, for joining us on Entrepreneur Struggle. And thank you for listening. You can learn more about Jacob's work by going to our show notes, which is also where you can get more information on how to stay up to date on everything entrepreneurs struggle. Soon we'll be doing monthly live events, so make sure you're following me on LinkedIn to learn more. Thank you to my producers, Heather Johnson, Brittany Temple, and Mike Dubose. Thank you for the support from the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. And until next episode, stay safe and healthy because the struggle is real.